Welcome to episode 415 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Monday, January 2nd, 2017. Happy New Year. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, a big Happy New Year to you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing a lot better today than I was yesterday. I, uh, I really uh, brought the New Year in with a big bang, <laughs> and I paid for it yesterday dearly. You know what? So I, um, I'm happy we are recording today instead of yesterday because um, I was, I was, I was worse than Redskins football team yesterday. It, 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 it was great. Um, we talked a little bit. You dominated some poker. I, I learned, um, which was awesome for those of you that hang out with Jason in Arizona. You know he doesn't touch the poker table, so he's he's running his friends, which was great. And then, yeah, you're telling me, dude, I am, I'm pretty lit right now. And then, you know what, you know what really sucks? As y'all know, I don't drink, didn't do any New Year's partying per se. And then I felt like crap yesterday. I'm out here feeling like I'm hungover and I didn't even drink. Like that's how, how fair is that, that I didn't even get the, the fun part of what a hangover entails. And then I ended up feeling hungover. It was it's kind of brutal. So it ended up working out that neither of us felt too great. Maybe both of our football teams just made us sick. Because, listen, in my heart of hearts, I knew that there was virtually no chance the Lions would win that game. Because I've been a Lions fan my entire life. And they just don't win that game. They just don't. And they did At didn't. least they have another one. At least they have, At another, least they have one. another one thanks to your terrible team. And so I, I'm, yes. I'm appreciative there. Maybe it would have been a different story. If if they needed the win, maybe they changed some things. I don't know. But Aaron Rodgers, uh, I think he was aptly named the boogeyman by, by Chris Collinsworth yesterday because that's exactly yes. what it feels like. He's going to come in, and, and he, he was just perfect. I mean, he might not have had a perfect quarterback rating or whatever the heck, but he was perfect when he needed to be. And as a Lions fan, it was disastrous, and it used to happen with Brett Favre, and the Packers have just always been a bugaboo. So that's football corner. My no, team no, is. I got football corner. Oh, you got. I, oh, wait, 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 wait. Titles. You I got some titles, titles to talk year, about. So go ahead. Go ahead. Bet, yeah, I won two league titles this year, and they, I only play in two leagues. Plus, I was in the black and DFS this year, so it's not bad for and, baseball, dude. And didn't you? Uh, didn't you have week seventeen? Like, didn't you have to play? Didn't you have to traverse? I had to play a two week. Had a two week title game against Brian Walton. That and, includes uh, week I seventeen, up, which is yes. is gross, man. That's tough. Nasty. It's nasty. It's a combined score, but I won by combined sixteen points. I won by seven the first week and or nine the first week and seven last night. So, like, you take yeah, you take the most volatile fantasy sport out there, and you put it on a week when everything is messed up to make it even more volatile. That's well, it was stupid. I mean, he he had Zeke Elliott, couldn't use him. Yeah, uh, you know, I ended up using Zach Zenner because you know he rolled it the week before. So our lineups were much of a joke. I had Sam Bradford at starting quarterback, and that worked out well. But yeah, uh, and getting back to me not feeling well, I I I, w- I would like to thank the public education system because my kids walk in yesterday afternoon, see me laying in bed. Dad, what's wrong? Uh, I don't feel so well. They were like, yeah, you probably had too much to drink last night. Like, yeah, yeah, dad shame. Um, not that I do this maybe <laughs> once or twice a year, but the fact that my 11 and 9-year-old recognize a hangover is is uh, good. So I could, when the first time they get hungover, I can throw it in their face. You'd be like, listen, uh, I know what's going on. Yeah. Hey, but it was it was at a house down the street, no driving. All I did was walk back to my house at 4.30 in the morning. Um so that's the, that's the responsible way to get lit. 
when, when you don't and and you know for New Year's, I hope everyone was safe because there were ways to. First off, there always are, but New Year's they kind of amp it up. I think I think Lyft and and Uber were doing like free stuff, and and there there are just ways to always get home. So be safe. So I'm glad I'm glad you were at least safe. You did pay the price, and hopefully they see that you pay the price, right? They say, "Oh, Dad had fun, but now he can barely move, and so he's having to pay the price for it." Indeed. Indeed. So. I, I, but congratulations on your two W's. I hope that your two W's and and uh, having fun on on New Year's Eve made up for the fact that that the Red Redskins were so terrible um, because they they were bad, right? I mean, they were bad. They they sucked. So uh, yeah, tough season there. That tie I think really killed them too, which which I think was was what really kind of moved the uh, really messed with their playoff odds. It could have helped them in some in- scenarios, but a lot of times that tie was always just going to be a, a hindrance to them. So my Lions got to go out to Seattle, and who knows? Maybe, maybe they'll win. I, I can fool myself into believing that. But there's baseball to talk about. And I, I tell you what, one of my favorite things about the new year is it's usually putting a bow on the regular season of football if not on the day of, the way we did yesterday, then very close to. And once fantasy football dies down, a lot of folks start coming back to baseball. So we're going to start seeing it pick up. You'll start to yeah, see. Yeah, I was going to mention that you you had a serious XM hit today. I yeah, did. That's one of the things. As soon as football ends, that's when the producers call and be like, hey, could we have you on the Ex- show? Exactly. Because literally, as soon as the end of August hits, crickets. I mean, you and I are on multiple, we do multiple appearances a week on that station. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it seems like we're on speed dial with most of the producers. And then it gets to football and done. I, I would and say it's even earlier noise. than August. Like in July, oh, well, they start it, to. Yeah, it, it definitely tapered off. But I think by the third weekend of August, donezo. There was just, I mean, they even tell me, yeah, they tell us we, you know, we're phasing out baseball. And I'm like, uh, it's got six weeks left, guys. And including uh, the best part, right? The, the, the finale, like the, the, the finish line. Now, I will say my boys at Rotowire, Chris and Jeff, they keep me on. I, I've been on throughout the entire offseason. We, we continue to talk baseball even in the heart of football. So it's good to be on. And, but like you said, it's going to start turning over the next couple of weeks and you're going to hear a lot more football. And I love that part of the season when they really start having baseball stuff on constantly. And, and most yes. of the guests start talking off season stuff. We got to get through another three weeks ish, but then really late January, early February, we start to turn on. We've, we've, we've almost made it folks. We've almost made it through the disgusting winter. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since you and I talked. Eno and I took last week off as well. We actually had a giant signing in the interim here. You and I didn't have any signings to talk about. We have a giant one and two small ones that are going to make some, at least some only league news. But let's start with Edwin Encarnacion. He's, he's in Cleveland. And that was looking like kind of the, the best spot. I wouldn't say the most obvious one, although it was kind of leaning that way. There were some other interesting spots that I know you and I talked about, Paul and I talked about. Paul Kassav and I. Boston. Yeah, we thought it was going to be Boston. Bo- and I, I, Boston and Texas. Months, just put it in pen. Just put it in pen. That's happening. And well, that was that, early as in a the Red Sox hater. I'm glad it's not happening. Yes, that was early in the offseason. It started to look like that. Then Cleveland became a player. Then um, Houston dried up as a as a spot because they went out and did other things. Toronto was looking like they weren't going to pay the big bucks. Uh, a lot of his his potential landing spots started to dry up. Cleveland emerged and they kind of looked like a dark horse here. And then they started to move up the ladder, move up the ladder to where they became the favorites. And everywhere else started to look like a dark horse. And and 
they went ahead and got their guy, and I think they got him on a really nice deal. Edwin Edwin's skills are, I think they're really going to age well uh, with with the way he's able to combine his power and contact capability. Uh, the fact that he's going to have what is it a sixty five million dollar was it four years or three years? Was it three? He's got a fourth, uh, like a trigger option, I think. Okay, yeah. but it's but it's three guaranteed years. Even though he's going to be thirty four next month, so he's going into his age thirty four season. I don't think that this is a bad signing to pay big bucks to a guy who doesn't strike out and hits for massive power. I think we're going to continue to see him uh, be a major power source, even in Cleveland. Yes, he's leaving Toronto, but I think he's still going to hit, you know mid-30s homers in Cleveland, so trade a few homers, but the RBIs and runs should still be there. The doubles should go up. The batting average could could climb as well because we've never really seen him have a big batting average despite these contact and walk numbers that allow him uh, or, or that foster a large uh, batting average. One of the reasons, though, is that he does hit the ball in the air a lot because he is going for that power through the air. So I, I think it was a really good signing for, for the Cleveland Indians. I think that's going to be, uh, obviously, he's a centerpiece to their lineup. What do you think about your boy Edwin and Canarsion signing in Cleveland? I think it's a great spot for him. Uh, if you know, when you talked about the skills, the, the way he has things, it reminds me of Adrian Beltre, but Adrian That's a good, Beltre with more power. It's and a it's good same, name, same type. The skills age very well. You know, he 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 takes his walks. He doesn't strike out a lot. Been a big time run producer. Obviously, the difference is defensively, it's night and day. But if you look at if you look at how their weighted on Bates average uh, looks across, I just sent you a link for it. It's all it matches up so perfectly um, with what they've been able to do and how how Beltre's where he's been the last few years, where Encarnacion's been um, the last few years. That's a really good that name. Lineup, you put him in that lineup with Brantley if he's healthy and with Kipnis. Uh, with Lindor, just a lot of good table setters in front of him. Santana, so Jose Ramirez. Banging. He's just he's got so many pieces, good pieces around. Not like he didn't in in Toronto. But if you're worried about always leaving the Rogers Center and going to Progressive Field, you look at last year's park factors for home runs and righties. Progressive was 105, Rogers 103. Exactly. You know? exactly. It's actually improving if you look at, and that's a three year running average from from uh, uh, from most accounts there. I don't think this move's really going to hurt him that much in terms of the park. I think going to the AL Central could be a little bit easier on him in terms of the teams that he's going to face. I still don't see Minnesota as a giant threat. KC's rotation, even if they even if they get better by staying healthier, it, it's usually bullpen. So their starters are, are guys you can beat up on. Uh, the White Sox just traded Sale. They're talking about trading Quintana and, and my beloved Tigers. Uh, they're not great. You know they still have Verlander, but they do not run deep in their rotation. So I think that uh, he's going to have he's going to enjoy himself in the AL Central. I'm really excited to see how he plays out there where are you drafting in Canarsion right now because I don't see him necessarily going first first round I think it's more of like a late second and that strikes me as as probably a good value I think you could make a case for him as a as a, a first rounder in a 15 team league and yet I don't think we consistently see him go that high where, where are you drafting your boy so I'm looking at ADP right now and they have him at 23 okay uh, the, 23 ADP, high high of 19, low of 31. Um, you know, last year he was a 15th. He was like the 15th. A lot of people were taking him on the wheel, mm-hmm. uh, and he went out and have a has a terrific season, and he drops. Uh, you know that because he got a year older. He's, yeah. So what? I know uh, that, you know, that that's that's why though because people are scared of age. They're terrified of it. 
Yeah, if I'm, but these skills are aging gracefully. And like I said, if I'm if I'm in this league, if I'm in a league, he's not making out of the top twenty. If I if I've got a pick early in the second round, let's say I'm picking, let's say I got the twelfth spot, I'm taking him on the turn, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on the way back, those kind of things. Uh, but there's no way he should be. He's still at worst a mid second round pick. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, like I said, you get me in the in the right draft of the with the fifteenth pick there. Uh, of the first round and if if the guys that i like are all gone you know miggy has been lingering down there that's somebody i would definitely be interested in taking just ahead of Encarnacion. but if you get me in a situation there's no black men harper doesn't fall and he hasn't been so i guess that's not a good name to include but i can see myself taking him on that turn uh, and maybe maybe pairing him at the arizona draft that i did uh yeah. team 15 went edwin turner on the turn there Edwin I was just going to bring and that Trey up. Turner. If you, if you go by chalk, if I had a 13th pick, I could take Turner and then it would be Seeger. Or I could you know take Turner and take Encarnacion. That's what that's I what like I like pairing do. that then. You're taking the right. old and the new, the speed and the power. That's something that I could be interested in. So I, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see where he goes. I could see scenarios. There's going to be certain drafts. Obviously, average draft position just means the average. You're going to be able to get him late second, early third in, in some in some drafts. There's just going to be some group of players that you're going to be playing with that aren't going to be interested in the age and, and they're going to push him down a little bit and you're going to be able to take him at the back end of that second round and sign me up all day. I don't think Encarnacion really takes much of a hit in Cleveland. For me, every pick after 20 he drops is a bargain. I, I agree. I, I think that's. I think I fully agree there. Uh, next up, Ivan Nova. This is a re-signing, but it, I think there is some intrigue to it because we only saw Ivan Nova in Pittsburgh for a very short period of time. So there is still uh, a lot to talk about here. He's got a three-year, $26 million deal with them. really like that he's going to stay there. Now, he went over there, and I don't think as much changed as his numbers might suggest. He just didn't walk anybody uh he had a one percent walk rate over there which i imagine is probably like two or yeah it was three walks in 64 and two-thirds innings uh, against probably the eight probably the number eight hitter setting up the pitcher exactly like he was not walking anybody and obviously that paid major dividends even with a left on base rate that fell down to 69 percent and a babip that jumped up to 318 well if there's nobody on base and nobody's hitting home runs you're gonna you're gonna survive, and so he had a 306 ERA, a 110 WHIP in those 64 and two thirds innings uh, over 11 starts. He looked really good. I think he's gonna survive uh, nicely over a full season in the National League in PNC Park specifically. He was somebody I've been targeting in these early drafts, and I will continue to target because I I, I just don't think that his price is going to rise to a level that I'm not comfortable with. I I, I think that paying 18th round, which is what I paid in Arizona. I have no problem with that. That was with without a team. Okay, I think he moves to maybe the 16th round with this, and I'm still willing to pay that. So, um, in fact, I just drafted him in another league, a 50-round draft and hold over at Fantrax, and I got him in the 18th round. That was also either just as he signed or right before, but either way, the price really isn't going to change that much. I think at the high end of a 15-team league, he'll go in the 16th round or so, but I think for the most part, you're getting Ivanova late teens rounds, and I'm interested. How do you feel? 
yeah, this this feels like the um, the guy's going to have a lot of helium the more he gets talked about. I believe we talked about this when when he was traded to Pittsburgh, how we loved him going there. And then we were talking about guys making a difference on your staff. I think I chose him one of the days when we were saying, hey, who's your who's your spot starter to use in DFS? I think I used him twice. Right now, is right now by ADP, he's at 101st in starting pitchers. Uh, that's criminal. Uh, that is absolutely criminal. I could see this. You know, I could easily make a case. I'm looking at number 60 and Drew Smiley, and maybe it's biased, but I'll take Nova over Smiley all day long. Uh, to that point, Shoemaker at 63, Robbie Ray at 64, Pineda at 65. And, and as much as you know, DRA loves Pineda, then it's it, maybe Pineda is the next guy who gets dealt out of New York and goes somewhere else and blossoms. And those types of things. Right. But with Nova, it's just gonna. You knew the change of scenery was gonna was gonna benefit him. He got the bump and strikeouts going from AL to NL. Started keeping the ball in the park when he played in a, in a real size ballpark instead of one with crazy dimensions, <laughs> that type of thing. Still keeps the ball on the ground. Still has that great defense behind him. Still has the great coaching around him. Uh, really like that he went back there. I have him at ten dollars in a twelve team NL keeper league. He's absolutely staying on my roster. Oh yeah. Uh, at that price, I have no problem keeping him at that price. If he would have gone back in the draft, I probably would ended up paying 15 for him i just really i've always liked these skills and now that he's out of that dreadful park i really want to see what he can do over the full course of a season i i I think your point is fair that that as we kind of get into baseball he might he might go up so maybe i am selling it short on the 16th round but i still think it's a teen round that you're getting ivan nova and i'm okay with that um i just i just don't think the price will go too high even grabbing him is great Uh, it may be Maybe somebody gets him into the maybe fifteen. Yeah, maybe fifteen, fourteen. Coming. Someone gets aggressive, but even that you shouldn't be running from this. If if you see him out there, it's not like oh god, I've got to draft Ivan Nova. I need strikeouts. Who's got a seven per nine K nine? Oh, there's Nova. I guess I'll take him. It's like this should be a guy you should be targeting in the I, mid to late teens. I agree. And not and not using as a, as a backstop. You're like okay. If it, if all else fails, there's my guy. He's not he's not that backstop anymore. He just did the, the work, the starts over eleven starts in Pittsburgh. You saw the difference when when everything's right with him. When he's generating those ground balls, pitching in a park uh, that's not where pop flies don't become home runs. It all comes together for him. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be ex- exasperated when work. you take him. You don't have to go. Ugh, right. Ivan Nova. You can actually say, Hey, Ivan Nova, sign me up. Let's go. Um, so yeah, that, I, I like that move. I think that's it keeps him nice, mixed league relevant. Particularly, I'd say twelve teams or more, ten teams. He's probably kind of that that in and out fodder. We'll see. And then if he breaks out, you can kind of keep him on the roster. Uh, ben Revere jumps out to L.A. with the Angels. Uh, they just got Cameron Mabin via trade earlier in the off season, so that looks like maybe a platoon for those two. Obviously, Mike Trout's going to be playing center field. Cole Calhoun's going to have right field lockdown. So you're looking at Mabin Revere. This looks like AL only at best for me. I, I tried. I tried. I tried it with Ben Revere this year. I said, you know what? I'm going to get my speed only guy, and I'll, I'll construct everything around that. As long as I get my thirty, <clears throat> excuse me, my thirty plus stolen bases, I'll be all right. Instead, I got fourteen and a two seventeen batting average. He had a disastrous season. He was hurt. It was bad. He'll only be twenty nine. Maybe. You know, maybe I'm jumping off the bandwagon early, but I was barely on the bandwagon to begin with, so I don't care. I'm out. Um, I, I might mess around in AL only, but for the most part, I'm just not looking to take uh, Ben Revere. How do you feel? 
about the same. I mean, I guess you have a good, a good platoon situation when you got a righty and a lefty, and either guy knows how to stay healthy. So if you put the two of them together, it works out. But with him last year, what was crazy is you know, for a guy that's always been able to get on base at a 325, 330 clip, all of mm-hmm. a sudden couldn't get on base. At all. And it wasn't because he wasn't walking. It wasn't because he was striking out. He just was making such bad contact. You know, they could He couldn't drive the ball anywhere. So a lot of it was here, I'm going to slap this in play. And defense was ready for him. And he just couldn't, you know, didn't have enough speed to run out those, those plays. So that's what's really crazy about it. It's just, just fell off the cliff. I mean, the, when you look at 14 stolen bases, that's with a 260 on base average. I mean, that's that's backup catcher on base. Numbers. And listen, I can envision a scenario where that Babbitt gets back to where it's supposed to be because he's healthy and he does steal 30 plus again. I'm willing to take that risk and not draft him. Like I, I don't really care that much. I just don't think the upside is so high that even if he comes back and hits 290 with 30, 35 stolen bases, that oh no, I, I missed out on this great value. I'll be like, okay, fine, because I'm kind of running away from from those speed only guys anyway. Um, I, I would rather get, I would rather get my speed from from combo guys um, or like a stud out front, like a Trey Turner, you know, Starling Marte, those types. I don't want the Billy Hamilton uh, of, of the of the world. I'd rather take a Jonathan VR, kind of draft him pretty high because I think his power is, is legit for what it is, where he can be a 13 to, to 15 home run sort of guy and give me a bunch of stolen bases. I'd rather do that. I, I just don't mess with these rabbits. So I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about Ben Revere. He can have fun out there in L.A. No, it's it's end game material for a guy that was a twenty plus dollar player two years ago, who's now end game material in a mix in a single league format. I mean, you look at Steamer projections for him right now: two hundred plate appearances and nine steals. They're not bullish at all. So nope. keep an eye on things, how it's playing out there in spring, and if Cameron maybe gets hurt, which he's been known to do, then maybe that changes the thing uh, changes things. But right now. I wouldn't really want to mess with either. All right, we've got a couple other rumors to discuss, and then we're going to get into a debate on a couple starting pitchers that both of us have liked in the past that we got a uh, Twitter question about, and we really wanted to dive in on it. Uh, last two bits here. Jose Bautista being discussed th- with Toronto. This kind of makes sense to me. I figured that – I always thought that maybe one of them would resign. I, I knew there's no way they were going to resign both. I just – it just didn't feel like it was something that they were going to do in terms of resigning both Encarnacion and Batista. So now that the way things are shaping up and Batista's market just isn't that robust, I think they're going to be able to get him back at a, at a relative discount. So I'm not surprised that they're talking to him. What do you think about Batista coming off of a down season if he heads back out to Toronto? Um, just the same. As long as he could DH more, but I don't know what they're going to do within that. I mean, you just signed you signed Morales for that purpose. Yeah. So what? You that know, kind of where, blocks where off DH. Play him? I mean, his his arm just really fell apart last year. So for me, he needs to end up in a place where he can DH Tampa <laughs> Bay. Um, so that's what I'm Ooh. looking for. Honestly, I would love to see him end up in that kind of capacity. The Rays have a big, big need for a right-handed bat in that line to go along with just a nice power bat to too would grab. work. Yeah. Um, so. That's kind of where I'd like to see him. It's kind of an odd fit. I'm less excited about Bautista if he's got to play in the field. I think those days are, are, are numbered. The arm clearly has lost it. Yes. Um, so I'm worried that the arm loses it, then he starts getting yanked for defensive replacements later in the game. Maybe he plays more first. Because I don't think Justin Smoke has first base locked down. 
So maybe it's a situation where Ezekiel Carrera comes in late for defense and Batista comes in to the infield instead of off the field, and then Smoke is the one who actually gets replaced. I could see more of that scenario playing out. Maybe don't even put Batista out in right field to start the game, though. Just let Carrera play out there against righties and Upton against lefties, and then Smoke uh, is kind of the loser there if Batista signs. But I'm with you. You know, when they signed Kendris Morales, that blocked off DH, and that definitely hurts the upside for Batista because I'm with you. I would rather see him being more or less a full-time DH at this point. He is not a good defender. And when, and when they overpaid for Kendris Morales, plus, you know, they've got to fight, they've got to find the, uh, the at-bats for Steve Pierce, who they paid for, Yep, uh, those types of things. So uh, I, I'm less excited about him going back there um, than I would be for him somewhere else where he can just go be planted at DH in the middle of the lineup, and he's there. Uh, agreed, agreed. Uh, last, last rumor here, Greg Holland talking with Colorado which I think is kind of an interesting buy low for them. If, if if they show that, first off, we don't know where the velocity is at, right? The last time that we saw him, he did his um, he did his showcase, and it was bad, right? He was going 88 to 91, I think. I think 91 was the peak, and this is a guy who used to throw mid-90s. And so I think, hey, this was uh, where are we at with Greg Holland, I think, is the big question. However, I'm not going to judge him off of a, a November showcase and say that's all he is now at this point. I think we'll see him uh, kind of come back, add more velocity, if he, if he is, in fact, healthy, if he is progressing. I think it's worth a team to take a gamble now. And I, I think Colorado could be the right team to do that. I don't think his splitter would be totally devastated by Coors. And if he's working 93, 95, even if it's not the 95 to 97 that he used to work, if he's working 93, 95 with the splitter and slider, I think it could definitely work there. And then they start lengthening their bullpen with Adovino as, as the closer. You got McGee, Mott, Dunn, Holland, Qualls. These are all guys that, that can work. And I don't know. I think they actually start to have a little something in the bullpen. Bullpens have always been a problem in Colorado. That's part of the reasons that they always get crushed. They don't have great uh, starters, and then they're calling on the bullpen in the fifth, sixth inning, and they don't have the guys to get it done. I like the idea of them taking a gamble here. Even if it doesn't work out, just take the low-dollar gamble because the, the upside is still huge. What if he gets all of his velocity back? That's a that's you know the long shot. But if he does, then you're talking about a guy who throws 97, 98 and still has the, the devastating slider and splitter. So I, I like Greg Holland if he uh, uh, goes out to Colorado. Not as a fantasy asset because I just don't think the saves will be there. I think Adovino's their guy. But in right. terms of gambling for them and helping out somebody like uh, John Gray and Tyler Anderson, two of their starters that I like, I would like it from that standpoint. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they can obviously add some depth to, to that. and They've got some age out there and some experience. It, it would be tough to see him in the pecking order just as you said Ottavino, mcgee mott all guys even qualls all guys that have done it before yes um and and are healthier it's just when you look at this when you look at this colorado team and a, you know, a couple of people have said it some people think they don't know what the hell they're doing other people are like you know what there's a lot of good pieces here uh and the, the ian desmond at first base thing is still kind of odd uh but but if they think david Dahl is ready for the outfield right away then it's not so odd Otherwise, if, when you look at Mark Trumbo and Chris Carter still sitting out there, either one of those guys in Colorado would be dreamy uh, from the power perspective. And oh, we'll yeah. see how that whole lineup stacks up, um, the, how they move it around. 
Um, but I think this team could surprise a lot of people because there's a, there's good pieces here, and the bullpen's always been the problem uh, where it's, where they haven't had enough people. But adding a guy like him, and if it works, then you get maybe you get a lot of weak contact fly balls off that splitter. And as long as he can get ahead of guys, that's really when that's really when he's at its best is when he gets ahead and then can get guys working off his working against his pitches versus having to pitch his way back into counts. Exactly. So uh, keep an eye on Greg Holland. If he starts adding a few ticks back, he's going to become appealing to a lot of teams. But maybe Colorado's smart to sneak in right now while the last taste of him was 88-91 in a showcase. They kind of buy low. Even if they give him a multi-year deal, it could be a cheap one, two years, 12 mil or something. And, and just I know that funny to say six million dollars is cheap, but that's the baseball market that we're in. Hey, a win, a win is eight million dollars right exactly. now. Exactly. So take your shot and see what you can get. He's only going to be thirty-one. That's not that's not old. So I, I like it. Uh, good good on Colorado if they can get it done. All right, for our last bit today, we're going to talk about a, a tweet that we got from first off, great name Bumblebee Tuna. It's T O O N A. Yes. Uh, Tim Bennett. We, we've been interacting with him for quite a while now. I can I can remember the name. First off, you don't forget a Twitter handle like that. And I know it's been coming through uh, our feeds for years. I believe he's a Tigers fan as well. So I've definitely had uh, even more interaction from that standpoint. But he has a good question for us. He says, serious inquiry going into 2017. Matt Moore or Marcus Stroman? Why can't I stop thinking a Matt Moore big breakout is coming? Listen, I told him right away. I said, I'm with you. I love Stro too. I really do. I love Marcus Stroman, but I would rather go with Matt Moore this year. Part of it is the simple fact of AL East versus NL West. Toronto versus San Francisco. That that in itself right there is, is a factor in favor of Moore. But it's not just that because you're not just your park factors in your division. You still have to pitch well. You know, and I know that you have too, but we've loved Matt Moore. We were early. We were wrong. We, we, we had to retrench and, and suffer through the, the disastrous 2014-15 when he pitched a total of like 75 innings th- through injuries. But then last year, he rose back up and he was pretty solid. 198 innings of a 408 ERA. He was actually this, pretty much the same with Tampa Bay and San Francisco. He didn't get markedly better out there in terms of the results, but the skills jumped up. He had a 24% strikeout rate. Uh, his home runs went way down. They were cut even more than in half. Well, actually almost uh, directly in half, 1.4 to 0.7. Mm-hmm. I think a full year out there, with the team that they have, Buster Posey, Dave Rigetti, Bruce Bochy, that ballpark, I think we're going to see a strikeout per inning and a mid-threes ERA with a chance at a low threes. And I think we're going to see it for 195-plus innings, and I'm going to take Matt Moore. I mean, and, this, and you've been somebody who has uh, long been a fan of Stroman, mm-hmm. and, and we took him... We took him pretty highly in, in labor did. last year. We I did. think he was our second pitcher behind Carlos Carrasco, if memory serves yes. me correct. Uh, so that was, but one of the issues we ran into there is he just didn't strike out enough guys early on. Now in the second half of the season, that definitely changed. The strikeout rate went up, and that was one of my fears with Stroman uh, was that coming off a season where he only pitched 23 innings because of uh, the knee injury, that he wouldn't be able to last uh, into long into the next season. But he certainly pitched well. That was the, the, the craziest part is he hit 204 innings. It, we, if you would have said, "Hey, you're either going to get 204 innings." Or a 4.37 ERA, you know, we just said, well, the ERA is probably going to be messed up. There's no way he's going to go 204 innings, and so that was that was pretty cool that he at least did that. But it was such a weird up and down season for him. 
It was weird. I mean, when you look at a couple of things, they're really close. If you look at the ADP, I think they're four spots apart right now. Um, Strikeout rate, Moore's got the advantage. Stroman definitely has better command. Uh, Moore actually gave up more home runs last year. Uh, And completely different pitchers, whereas Moore is the big ground ball guy. and and, I'm sorry, the fly ball guy, and Stroman's on the ground. When you look at uh, both of them had ERAs north of four. uh, With deserved runs allowed, Moore was almost at five. I mean, a, a 408 ERA, a 493 DRA. And then Stroman was the other direction, a 437 ERA, but a 343 DRA. Wow. And, yeah, so that's really crazy. You look at it, some of this stuff was home run, but the fact that you know he's giving up with the ground ball, it's going to go for hits a little more often than fly balls. I sure. think league-wide, league-wide, it was like 240 on grounders and 235 on fly balls. But that was when I was looking at this, uh, doing a little more um, – dive into it this morning Strowman, you know when his his batting average against ground balls in particular was 224 so you're thinking okay that's better than league average but when guys are on base it was 269 Oof. and it was 192 when there's nobody on base so when toronto could align their defense the way they wanted to and Strowman could generate the ground ball the batting average against it was 192 when there were guys on base it's 269 so all of a sudden it's it's so much higher than the, the overall league average at uh, those types types of things catch up with you and, mm-hmm. and that's where that's where the era was versus where it, you know it could have been along those lines but you know for me i think one of the big things that really stands up with Moore is when he got to san francisco last year and you know wrote about this later in the season um it was that he started throwing a cutter I and mean, you, if you think about matt Moore, he's always been a three-pitch guy a fastball the knuckle curve and the changeup, and those latter two pitches are chase pitches for him i mean the knuckle curve it's not a good pitch to control. I mean, it's got a lot. It goes in the dirt most, most of the time. Very few it's guys actually control strikes. a knuckle curve. You're, you're, you're just, spiking yeah. that sucker. And that's how he's always shown it since the minors. I mean, his uh, his brother uh, taught it to him. Or a friend of his brother, but he's thrown that knuckle curve forever. Um, but he would use against lefties, it was always fastball knuckle curve. He doesn't like doing same-sided change-ups. And then he would do the three pitches against righties. Well, then... There was I was looking at his, his game by game cutter usage um, this morning, and there was one particular start right when he came back from the DL from Tommy John in fifteen, where he threw a bunch of cutters, and then the pitch practically disappeared. And then he didn't throw it at all wearing a Rays uniform last year, and then he didn't throw it for his first two or three starts. And then Eno's article, he talked like Bumgarner and Posey said, "Hey, you might want to try this pitch." So then he goes out and he uses it against the Dodgers in that near no-hitter. Uh, and then he's just started throwing a lot of the cutters. So now all of a sudden, he's got the three pitches against lefties. He's got the four against righties. And just that extra, just having that extra pitch in your bag, that's, that's huge, especially against the lefties. Because one of the things with Moore is he's had issues against lefties. I mean, most of the time yeah. we think, okay, lefty pitcher is going to be good against lefties. But you wanted to get to him. Yes, you did that kind of stack against him because, again, fastball knuckle curve. And if you can read the if you can read the spike out of the hand, let it go. You just wait for fastballs. Goodness, yeah, wait for the fastball. And given that he doesn't command a fastball very well either, when he when he can't command his fastball, you just wait for the one you want and you hit it. Now, if you're if you have cutter. And that cutter is going to look like your fastball for a lot longer in that delivery. And if it's that late movement, here come the pop-ups. Here come the weak contact instead of everything going off the wall or over the wall, that fastball. So that's with Matt Moore being in that NL West, that's why, I, that's why I'm looking at him saying, yeah, I want more. I like Stroman, but I think more I, – I, I feel better with more just because of being in that National League, having those weaker lineups um, to face overall. 
And uh, the AL East is just a beast, man. By the way, I talked about how Moore had the exact same ERA, AL and NL last year. But I always like to look at the, the game log, the composition of things. And you look, and in September, he had two really disastrous starts. One in Colorado, two and two-thirds, six earned runs. Yep. And another at the Dodgers, one inning, six earned. So he got 12 earned runs in three and two-thirds innings there. Other than that, it was two two, five, but that came in six innings, so I'm not going to say erase that one. Three, zero, one, the six, two, two, the other six, one and one in terms of his earned runs. So he was mostly great throughout the rest of his uh, other 10 starts there. He only had, only had one other bad one that you would say, the five earned, but that was in six innings against Pittsburgh, and two of those came at the very end. And again, that doesn't... that. That's not a shellacking to me. That was one bad inning in the fourth inning of that game and then ran out of gas a little bit and gave up two more, but ended up, for the most part, you look at that and you say, okay, that wasn't a bad start, even though it's not a quality start or anything like that. Right. The other two, you say, okay, those were two disastrous outings, one of which you probably didn't even use. You were not using Matt Moore in Colorado. Um, he was not at a level where you're just, oh, I'll trust him here. So I look at that and I say, yeah. The ERAs were the same, but the skills were better. And I think if you kind of lift those two games, or at least just don't don't overly credit those. Because, yeah, they happened, but it's a lot different to me than if he goes five innings, three, four runs every time. That mm-hmm. that's not a particularly special guy. But two shellackings, you can kind of fix those a lot easier than you can a guy who's consistently mediocre. And I thought that he was mostly great with with San Francisco. You talked about the near no hitter. That was eight and two-thirds, one hit in L.A. against the Dodgers. And the second time around, they got him. So maybe just some changes that you got to focus on. But then he closed the year against those Dodgers one more time, and he goes eight innings, three hits, one earned. So he learned from whatever whatever wasn't going on the September 21st start he immediately corrected two starts later. So I don't know. I really like Matt Moore. This is not an anti-Marcus Stroman thing. It's really more of a pro-Matt Moore thing, especially because I think, Jason, one of the biggest deals here also in this uh, debate is I think Stroman's going to cost you more. I think Matt Moore is still in a scenario where you're going to get him in the uh, in the mid-teens rounds, whereas Stroman's going to go in the early double digits rounds. Not not necessarily, you know, he's not going to be in that eighth ninth round the way he was seventh eighth ninth round the way he was last year. But you're going to be in the uh, I would say probably the the ten to twelfth round area, and I think you can get more in the thirteenth to fifteenth round area. So the fact that the cost is also a little bit better further pushes me toward more. Yeah, I mean, ADP wise, like uh, again, close one seventy nine to one eighty five. Okay, Moore's they're, they're very close. Then. A little higher. Okay, uh, Moore's high is one thirty six, whereas um, Strowman's is one fifty one. Then I'm um, then I'm wrong Strowman's, on that one so far. Uh, but Moore is also two nineteen on the low end, so somebody got him super late, and that's a nice pick. Uh, again, right now both guys are top fifty pitchers um, by ADP. I, if you're going to ask me which one's going to be a top forty guy by season's end, I'm, I'm leaning towards Moore here. And there it is. So uh, hopefully, hopefully that helps you out, Bumblebee Tuna. I, you know, we answered on Twitter, but we want to go deeper on that one because I do think it's a really interesting debate. And by the way, I do think that this this season in particular uh, is going to be a lot about those pitchers again. These are the pitchers that are going to be winning and losing leagues that you're going to have to focus on because we're going to go back to where you're not drafting pitchers early by and large. There's still going to be the studs that are going to Kershaw, Scherzer, Bumgarner, Thor, Arietta, Sale, Kluber, a handful of others. They're going to be going early, but a lot of teams 
aren't even going to have a pitcher by the fourth, fifth round. And so where you're really going to win is when you're taking those guys in the middle rounds and you got to find the breakouts. Is Jake Odorizzi a breakout? Is John Gray going to be able to you know, not get crushed in Colorado and dominate on the road. And weirdly enough, he actually got crushed on the road a couple of times last year. That's what really inflated the ZRA. Is Carlos Rodon ready to break out? Things like that. In fact, Jason, over the next couple of weeks, I think you and I should maybe do some more of these battles of guys like this in the middle rounds and kind of talk about and give us a chance to talk about some of these middle round guys. You know, is is Kevin Gosman ready to be a frontliner? Is Gio Gonzalez poised for any sort of bounce back? Something like that. So if you have names like that that you are interested in hearing about, mid mid round, mid to later round pitchers in let's say the ninth to 18th round area. I know that's a wide wide gap, but we'll get two guys that are close to each other and maybe debate them. Uh, do do a couple of those every episode throughout the rest of this month. Um, hit us up on Twitter at Sporer and at Jason Collect. That that's C O L L E T T E for Jason's last name, and mine is S P O R E R. Jason, it was great talking to you. I uh, hope you have a great rest of your New Year. I, I think you're observing New Year's today. That's why you have today off. Yes. I have today and tomorrow. I'm going to go back to the day job until the Wednesday, Very nice. uh, which is which is nice. Um, next weekend's going to be tough because I'll be traveling okay. home from Arizona. I have got to go out to Arizona for a funeral service, so I Sorry will be landing, um, landing in Orlando at about 11.50 at night, and then I'm in Orlando all week. Um, so, yeah, 2017 is getting off to a, a raucous traveling start. Um, I... I we forgot to point this out earlier. Hopefully, I sound better. On this oh one. yeah, yeah, we didn't apologies, point it out. Apologies for the last couple. I went and listened to the most previous one. I was like, damn, I sound well, awful. There was and, one uh, where I had to turn somebody's volume up. I can't remember who it was with. If it was Eno or Paul, and it saved those settings, and so you were turned up, and then you sounded really bad. That's what it was. And the problem right. was I didn't know this until we after, after we recorded. So I tried to clean it up as much as I could. It actually sounded worse, the raw file. So I made it a little bit better, but it still wasn't great. But now you have a Yeti yourself, so please let us know how he sounds. He should sound much better. And so we're both working on the Yeti microphones. And that's, hey, new new year, new you, Jason. Yes, yes. Thank you to the Fangraphs <laughs> folks for uh sponsoring this one uh for me because uh this thing is a beautiful little thing um, it really is and it, the sound quality is so much better because i was listening uh you know i heard that one and then i was uh if you haven't the the, the 2080 podcast defensive indifference they've been doing some minor league uh reviews and they had the rays uh, they did the rays on episode three so obviously i was listening to that and i was like man those really sound good and then i think i noticed a tweet from there hey we're using this and uh you know it's like i use one of those too and i remember you did and i'm like I need one because I've They're been so using good. a USB headset mic that I've had for four years, and uh, you know clearly the sound quality's been a little um, off the last couple, but well, it, hopefully it, those days are over. It's great to have you on, on on the Yeti bandwagon. We'll figure it out next week in terms of uh, what we're going to do there. But we're back. I had last week off, and I kind of enjoyed it. I just really vegged out and, and took took the week off. So we'll be back with normal episodes. And if you can't go. Maybe I'll, I'll work something with somebody else, uh, or we'll go on a Monday again. But anyway, Jason, great talking to you. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. All right. You too, bud. Bye.